Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You might hear the word insolvency and think companies, but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due, you're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay, or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. Welcome to bloodandmud.com's podcast. Then I was on, I had Eamon Conaghan from New Zealand on. I've come a bit closer to home this time. I've gone for Josh Gardner, who you may know is the, uh, the man behind the Rugby Shirtwatch website. I always think that Josh feels about uh, rugby clothing, the way that perverts feel about latex. I might be overstating that a bit, but welcome, welcome. I'll, I'll, level, I'll level with you, you're not too far away. About that, <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favourite shirt at the minute, do you think? Uh, oh, that is tough. Um, I quite like the Bath one, although that's not going to be uh, it's not going to be covered in glory recently, is it? But uh, no. yeah, the Bath one's good. Uh, Osprey's one's nice, but then I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> is anything as good as the Argentina shirt in a World Cup, though? No, nothing is good. That is literally the perfect rugby shirt ever. <laughs> we should all just go home and not bother anymore. I'm going through it, going through a different sport. I've seen the Adidas Belgium away shirt for football this year. If you I if you like kit, check that out. That. I really like the Wales kit actually, but uh, I'm I'm still just flabbergasted by the reality that we're actually going to a major tournament. So yeah, well, uh, obviously. The people who tune in don't listen to about football. And, um, no, exactly. They're <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, uh, just obviously the people, you know, the five people that will listen to this uh, podcast will want to know where to find your website, though. So, do you want to let oh, us know where you are? Yes, indeed. It's very, very simple. It is just uh, rugbyshirtwatch.com, all one word, uh, and then at rugbyshirtwatch on Twitter. And uh, I'm at Josh Gardner on Twitter, but you don't want to follow me because I just talk about fucking rugby in really angry ways all the time. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, to be honest, I think that's. T- basically my my reason for starting the entire blog really i do swears and <laughs> and hating james haskell really what the hell else do, do, do people tune you in do for? it do it so very well um <laughs> so let's talk about rugby this week then there's been quite it's been it's, quite a big week really there's the kind of delayed reaction from the world cup yeah it's been a little bit of a busy one isn't it i mean i, I kind of thought when we were chatting about the podcast the other day it was sort of like right you know the the whole sam burgess thing is going to be the the big story of the week and then obviously today we get the whole the Lancaster thing yeah. yesterday and there's some whole Welsh rugby shit today and it's just like yeah, yeah it's been a busy one we're a bit late after the World Cup really but what, how do you think Wales went what, what, what's your feeling uh, 
Honestly, you are a Wales fan, sorry. I just need to clarify. I am indeed a Wales. I am. I am Wales, a Wales born person. Never mind a Wales fan. In spite of the fact that I do not sound like it at all, and I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, I am. I am Valley's born and bred, and yes, I thought we did much better than I thought we'd do. To be honest, I thought we were. When those the seeding for the draws happens, whenever it was, when Wales went on that horrendous run a few years ago, I was just like, we're shafted. There's no way on earth that we're going to actually get out of any kind of pool, and. Yeah, with the injuries, with all that sort of stuff, as much as I'm still slightly annoyed that we weren't as good as we could have been, I I would have taken it before the start of the tournament. So, I think, yeah. I think, you know, I've lived in Wales a lot of my life, so I know what it's like to be around. I've played rugby in Wales for years as well. And I think, I think more than anything, they must just be really pleased to have some pride coming out of it. The biggest problem that we... I'm an English person in a lot of teams. The biggest one you've got is this complete lack of pride, really. That's the most so, harrowing thing, really. Like uh, for uh, for all of Wales's shortcomings in that World Cup, and they they were many. Don't get me wrong, you know, <laughs> the thirteen man period against Australia. I'm still quite annoyed about that. Um, but you, you can't deny that they they didn't give it absolutely everything. And even if they were found a little bit wanting towards the end, due to the fact that they had about four fit players left, it's. Oh, that Australia! That Australia period. Long. The Australia period was great though, wasn't it? Surely we'll just send wave after wave of men at the 12 channel and then when that doesn't work, we'll send another wave oh, of men at the 12 channel. It, it was upsetting. Like, uh, there are t- the, In the last World Cup, I broke an item of furniture when Wales didn't beat France. And in the 2007 World Cup, I broke an entire sofa when we lost to Fiji. But I didn't... I didn't manage to quite break something in the Australia thing, but I was very close because it was a positive, just, though, isn't it? It was. It was if, exactly. If it's not furniture breaking, then you're doing all right, aren't you? It's not exactly, too bad compared to the last two World Cups. That's what I'm saying. I will take this this time around. It's like it, it wasn't quite as heartbreaking to go out with a bit of a damp squib against South Africa, where we were probably a game further than our four remaining legs would fucking carry us. So you wouldn't have fancied oh, we'd, playing that. We'd have got. Absolutely dicked by the All Blacks. Let's be honest. I, we would get absolutely smashed. Like South Africa showed, like how they basically did what we would have tried to do, but better, and they still lost. Yes. And and we would have definitely done something more, like somebody would have done something moronic at about sixty minutes and got themselves binned, and they would have scored about four tries in ten minutes, and then, then it would. Have... Exactly, yeah. Or you know, Bradley Davis would have got himself simbinned because God <laughs> that's that's one of his core skills. And and then yeah, the floodgates would have opened and it would have been as depressing as that game where a couple of well, it was a year or two ago in the Millennium Stadium where Wales were ahead and then in the space of about four minutes. Oh, the entire world kid. It was twenty minutes left, and it looked quite positive. Yeah, and then it... exactly. And it looked like we might actually do it. And I, I allowed myself to believe for maybe half a second that we might. And then in that moment, um, they scored about four tries. Oh, and God. so, yeah, it would have been that again. So I will, as much as I would have liked to have gone further, I will take a sort of slightly disappointing quarter-final exit when we probably didn't have any business getting out of the pool. To be honest, it was. Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of the pool of death. It sounds like a metal yeah. album. I've always said that. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the outcome, the final last knockings of the of England's disgrace has happened in the terms of the the Burgess and the Lancaster thing. I'll talk about Burgess for no matter. 
Here's my view on Burgess, okay? You're not English, Josh, right? I'm not. This you're, is you're, just, you're, you're just a rugby union, well, Welsh fan, a rugby union fan. Okay? Yeah. I'll ask you this, actually, because it's interesting to know. Do, as a rugby union fan, do you think the game's going to suffer with him not being there? Yes. I, I think it's a massive shame that he's gone. Like, when he came over, like, I was very excited. I didn't, I'm, I'm not a big watcher of rugby league, but I knew enough about rugby league to know what a special athlete and talent he is. And and it's just like no fucker has has covered themselves in glory in this whole thing. It's it's been a complete shambles on all sides. Yeah. But it's just more than anything else. It's just sad because like for a year, rugby union had a marvelous once in a generation athlete who was potentially going to be like he could have been anything that he wanted to be if he'd had the time and if other circumstances around him had gone to plan. And... Well, it's Colin this week, oh. which is really embarrassing. Who was it sponsored by? Can you remember? Because you read about this whole... Th- it was Well, one, I mean, you know, I like to think I can put together an entertaining piece of prose on some level for people. And for, and it, for a start, I thought it was an absolutely horrible piece of writing for a start. Yeah. But then, and then at the end, it was kind of... Spon- I can't remember it was, but it was sponsored by somebody disgraceful, like Skoda Cars or something. It was horrendous come the end. On the, it was. I think. I don't think it was sponsored by them, but I think that it said, and I think this might just be a condition of his his sponsorship deal with them. But at the bottom, it was just like Sam Burgess is is a Canterbury spokesperson ah, or whatever. That's it, yeah. And it's like, like that's obviously <laughs> like they haven't set that exit interview up with the Daily Mail. Canterbury are not not that that way inclined. Well, you would hope not. Yeah. So. Like it's that's just like a textbook example of where that whole sort of every time he's interviewed he must have this yeah. this little flamer at the bottom thing. It doesn't work when you're poison penning your way out of rugby union and tossing grenades left and right as you go. It's... Yeah, I think the problem is he had to. I mean, what, what I took from it, I said somebody said, you know, he's just said I don't like rugby union. Yeah, and, and I don't think I don't mean in kind of like you know, the game or the history of it or anything like that. I think he's just basically saying that when I sat down and thought about playing it for two years, I realised I wasn't going to enjoy it very much. I just don't like playing yeah. it. And I'm totally sympathetic with him on that. It's like rugby league is, is the sport that he was born to play, that he grew up playing. He's a champion in it. And like, he gets to go and live in Sydney. Now, I, I work in Bath. <laughs> so I know what the weather has been like in Bath for the last fortnight. It's been fucking terrible. And if somebody said, "Would you would you like to go to Sydney now?" I would say, "Yes, please, very much, thank you." And and occasionally you'll get to go on the beers with Russell Crowe, um, which must be a terrifying but memorable experience. So, Imagine what Russell Crowe's drunk face is like. Because a lot of well, people, yeah. a lot of people, when they get drunk, their face falls into a natural scowl, doesn't it? Imagine Apparently. what Crowe's must be like. He'd never He's get in a bar, would he? Maybe he just looks really happy. Maybe it's the opposite. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. He just looks delighted all the time. But yeah, and, and and so if you gave me that option, I would go yeah. To be honest with you, I'm I'm well up for that, and I don't blame him. But the column, fucking hell, I'm not sure who advised him on it, but it 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 damaged his sort of sympathy. Chris like, Foy is obviously his mate, Chris Foy the male, because it was Chris Foy yeah. who broke the story he was coming over. So he's obviously got some yeah. links to him. I don't, I'm not quite sure why or how, but he has. Um, so you know, I don't know. Maybe he thought he owed Chris Foy something, or just he just wanted yeah. to get. He just thinks, well, I'll just send this. I'm on a plane. Nobody can bother me again anyway. Now, yeah, so. 
And and I guess and, and the stuff he said since as well, it's like there's obviously a lot of very ill feeling there and I don't think he appreciate like that times from uh back page with the good riddance thing, that was bollocks. I mean I thought Paul Ackford was better than that actually. Yeah, well, he can be a I, bit of a miserable git, but he's, he did, I thought he was better than that. But then again, columnists don't write the headlines, do they? That's the thing you forget as well. No, I'm sure Paul Ackford didn't say, "Yeah, put good riddance on it." You know, that was a no. and the Telegraph are magnificent for clickbait headlines. That Oliver, what's his face? He basically just writes trolling articles, <laughs> but uses big yeah. words so people don't notice that he's basically a troll. But uh, anyway, we're, we're yeah. But that, like, I don't know whether he just he got angry by all that sort of media vitriol and felt like he needed to have a pop back because you know he's he's a proud man and he's 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 a he's a very you know he's a very good individual when you know he is clearly a good lad and he doesn't want to be portrayed as basically a fucking selfish prick. <laughs> and, like, and, and who can blame him? Yeah. But the, the, there was this whole subtext in it for me of just like a that he was sort of he clearly doesn't enjoy playing rugby union but I think that there was a, a vibe in that column that he kind of thought it would be easy like mm. yeah there's a few more blokes on the pitch like there's there's a weird bit where the game stops and everyone has a little angry cuddle in the middle of the field but like basically it's the same and I think he said one of the things he made a point about which I think I don't think he needed to really was to basically say I don't get as tired that was kind of what he said, wasn't it? That was a kind of well. I just find me. I find me. You know, rugby league. Rugby league sends me to these places where I go to another level of find something deep in myself and all that kind of stuff. And actually, you know, instead of basically rugby union, I don't get tired enough to do that. Yeah, he's. But he's, it was basically a sort of little dig of oh, rugby league's a bit harder than rugby union actually. And it's just like, come on, man! If you weren't get, pushing yourself to the physical limits out there. And neither were your teammates. Then maybe that's why you fucking went home at the group stages. Uh, the trouble, the trouble is, George. You see, I've played league and I have played union, and actually, I kind of agree with him. There is more standing round in rugby union. There is, it is, it yeah, is. I there is a bit more standing round. And I think he, but, he was always going to struggle as a twelve or a thirteen in union because you can't enforce yourself on the game like you can in league. No, in, particularly in attacking league, you can kind of go where you want. You know, you can especially as a thirteen like him. You can be everywhere as a, as a you yeah. know a, a loose forward in league. You can you can be everywhere. And he could do that, and I think he found, I think he particularly found that hard in attack in in Union because he wouldn't have been, he'd just been stood there getting cold while the scrum collapsed as a twelve, you know. Yes, exactly, and and you could see that sometimes he was sort of, he was sitting there waiting to be used, and then the ball would go elsewhere, and and it wouldn't, his body language would change a little bit, and he'd just sort of be like, oh fuck, well, yeah, I guess, I'll... and but that's such a shame though because, like, ultimately I think the timing was wrong. Like he wasn't gonna leave South Sydney until he won the premiership. Like that was obvious mm. when he went there. Um, but once he had, like, he's such a like. You cannot deny that he's such a competitor. Like ridiculously so. And he wanted a fresh challenge. And he wanted to pull the Jason Robinson thing. And he wanted to become a legend in both codes. And who can blame him? How cool would that have been? But because he won it in 2014 instead of maybe 2013, when like he might have liked to have won it. Like I know they weren't close, but. Like if he'd have managed to win it a year earlier, then he could have gone and he'd have had two full seasons in Union to actually get it under his belt before. Whereas like by coming over in what was it December, mm. he had and he was injured, wasn't yeah. he? That's the thing. Yeah, and he was injured, so he basically had sort of six months to become one of the best players at I his mean, position. I, I, still make, I still make the point. He still looked like an international rugby union centre. Absolutely, he, didn't, he, he did. Didn't, he didn't look like a brilliant one. 
Maybe not. No, he looked like a decent one, but he could have been like yeah. another level good with enough time. But I mean, I don't think and he then wanted he to give it a time. He thought, what's the point hanging around here? Exactly. Having been he... suspicious about me all the time, I can just go there, get put into the team. He's got another World Cup in two years with England in rugby league. He's done what we'd all do, I think. Yeah, but that was the kind of thing that he's, he was trying to rush the whole thing. Get over here, play in a World Cup, deal code legend, done, back to the rabbit doze, throw many many shrimps on many barbies. And... <laughs> it's, he should be auctioning, he'll be chucking fish and pies on the barbies when he'd be throwing on the barbie. Battered I'm sure, fish. I'm sure, I'm sure he's gone native. I think he missed uh, his family as well. I do think, I think yeah. people tend to forget his dad died. He had to go to his dad yeah. died, and he just thought, I'm studying, I'm on my own. Me, me family down there I miss them I yeah. don't like the game very much it's pissing me rain I don't need this no and and, and all of those points I, I'm totally on his but side your point about... is he didn't have to rub, he didn't have to rubbish the game on his way out did he, he yeah exactly That's he could have said he, he could have I... said he loved rugby, rugby league without saying he thought rugby union was crap couldn't he exactly yeah which brings us on to our next point, but I think it's an interesting point because you could argue people say that the selection of Burgess is indicative of of, of Lancaster's or one of Lancaster's problems. I I've, I've always come back to the I've always come back to the point that Bur, the, the the Burgess complaining about the Burgess selection with Lancaster in many ways is like con, complaining about about the garnish you've been given when on on a meal that's not well, cooked exactly. or, or whatever. You know, it's 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 a it's a slightly different situation, and you could argue that actually it was the decision to remove Burgess. After an hour or so of the Wales game, that might have actually cost made, him his job. Because actually, he made like, the very good point that he was when he was on the field with England, they were never behind, and like that's he, you he know, never he, noticed that. Chris Foy wrote that. I no, somebody, yeah, still somebody, a good point. somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody told him that stat or Chris Foy <laughs> exactly. But it is a good point, and and you know, certainly against you know France in the warm-up game, and when he came on against Fiji, he looked bloody lethal. Like the way that he was just smashing through people, the way, and the way he was against the way he was against Fiji is the closest you'll see to the way he was for England versus New Zealand in the Rugby World Cup semi final, exactly. Rugby Union World Rugby League World Cup semi final a couple of years ago. Yeah, that coming on late, off people's shoulders, offloading. He does the thing is people talk about his offloading. He does yeah. know when to use his hands well. People think he tries to throw an offload all the time. He doesn't. He just he doesn't have silky hands. But I don't want to go back to Burgess now because we've kind of done that. Yeah. The bottom line is nobody comes out of this very well. Yeah, I think that um, no. The worrying thing is that well, any well, is it even worrying really? I don't think anybody. This will never happen again in England. I don't think. I think in England, no. I think the, the media storm's too huge for it to happen again. Yeah, it might happen uh, in other countries because they'll, they'll yeah, let them go think, a bit. I but... think it'll still happen in in the southern hemisphere because a there's a sort of there's an equilibrium between the the rugby league, rugby union, and in Australia, Aussie rules. There's this weird sort of symbiosis where there doesn't seem to be that big a deal between them all moving around, but no. there's not as there's not the structure in in English rugby because the clubs are just too hostile to there's interference none of that from the you know and I'm sorry to be historic and maybe a bit you know strange about this there's none of that incredible rank class history well, like, angst and, and yeah. antagonism and it doesn't go away I don't care what anybody says but so you're being chippy well the fact is is that it doesn't go away there's suddenly some rugby no. suddenly some rugby league area I mean people forget that you couldn't play rugby league in the British forces until the late nineties yeah. You know, this is you know, it doesn't yeah. go away. This stuff, it really doesn't. No, and while there is, you know, while while union is still sort of seen as the 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 less sort of blue collar game than than league down south, it's not nearly that sort of pronounced north south posh. And and it's weird for me, like, and it always has been to sort of 
because I'm Welsh and Wales, you know, that whole rugby union is the game for, you know, Southerners is not a thing. No. Because it, it it's very much not that. But well, Wales just kept like, paying, that, didn't they? That thing when, is... in, when England got all hysterical about paying people back in the Victorian times, Wales just went, yeah, all right, and just kept paying and didn't tell anybody. And so the class thing well, yeah, then became... Exactly. Thing. It's boot money, you know, and, and every... <laughs> Amateur Welsh player until bloody 1995 had a you know couple hundred quid chucked in their boots every week, and that's how it worked, and we we were perfectly fine with that. Exactly. But some people you didn't just have the crusading, you know, Corinthian amateur Lord of the Man well, spirit. You see, no, that's because most of them weren't also policemen, lawyers, doctors, or other things <laughs> on the side that they meant that they could afford to be bloody rug rugby players without actually having jobs well now we've put the history but, of the great no. the great rugby code split that's to, to, to all right. of yes exactly <laughs> sorted no yes. need to talk about that anymore um, <laughs> so Lancaster going back to the point about yeah, him changing about, about him changing Burgess Whoa. is that for me um, as I said that was a garnish of the bigger issue I mean the questions for me with, with, with Lancaster well he was always going to go I mean Brian Ashton took England to a World Cup final in 2007 and even then they were saying he should lose his job well exactly and then, and then he, he went and, in the end uh, because of Rob Andrew sacked him, and I'll come on to Rob Andrew in a minute. Um, he was always going to lose his job anyway, and it, 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 so they've just delayed the inevitable. I mean, Ian Ritchie, this whole independent review for me, to be honest, is just a, a way for Ian Ritchie to kind of go, I've, I've had a review, they've said that I'm okay. You yeah. can't blame me for it. It's like, I've got, I've got issues with Roger Lewis departing yeah. WRU head honcho man, but you have to say that the way that he horrendously harshly basically just sacked uh 2007 world cup coach oh shit Gareth Jenkins yes god <laughs> why was that so hard like <laughs> okay yeah so the way that he basically <laughs> sacked him the morning after Wales lost to Fiji there was no review he 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 might as well have just taken him down the tunnel into the bogs after the game and gone fuck off mate clear shit out and that was incredibly <laughs> it, was like, it was like it was like the, like, ba- the Wall Street horrible... crash the other day. here's your stuff in a box mate off you go well exactly I mean and, and the, that's that's a horrible thing to do it but if they just you know taken him to the toilets in the post-match function after the Uruguay game and gone stew mate this ain't working out yeah I've drafted this letter here's to see you tomorrow morning in front of the cameras and I know that they did it because they didn't want to overshadow their own World Cup and all this shit. But the fact of the matter is, there's eight weeks to the Six Nations and they haven't got a coach. Yeah, and, and who and are they going that's... to find? I'll come. I'll come on to who they're going well, to exactly. find in a minute because there's been some news on that yeah, today. So it's, th- it's Thursday as we record this. There's been some news on this. We'll come on to that in a minute. But in terms of where Lancaster went wrong, I mean, I said in a piece at the time, there's some very fundamental questions for me. I don't think he was a bad appointment to start with. I think there's a lot of revisionism around that, saying he was a terrible appointment. He wasn't a bad appointment. I think more, I mean, people forget that no. the squad was a bit of a state. And also, he, at the time, the players clearly wanted to play for him. He had them playing for him. He was a, he was a pretty good appointment. Yeah, absolutely. On, from that point of view. The trouble is, is that we don't know what a Stuart Lancaster team is meant to look like, do we? No. And, and so for me, like... It definitely went wrong after the Six Nations this year where, you know, the selection started to get really muddy and weird and, you know, it, but for me, it can all come back to 
53 in the Millennium Stadium because that was the moment for me, I think, that the sheen... And England played well again afterwards and beat Wales and, and mm. you know, looked like a good side. But that was the moment that his... Maybe his coaching limitations and also the limitations as far as leadership and, mm. you know... Yeah, preparation true. of his players went. It, it was not long yeah. after that that he got they, the big they, contract and, extension either was it that was the thing I think that's the exactly. strange thing it was it was like a, it, it was a bit of a sort of it was like a dreaded vote of confidence wasn't it you know they say in football all the time the worst thing that can happen to a manager is to get the vote of confidence well the worst thing that could happen to Stuart Lancaster was getting a massive contract extension after England had not been playing very well because it looked like they were overcompensating for something and yeah true and uh, like, but the, the, so, so, so that's the kind of I don't think he's set because people always say the whole coaching team's got to go because they're obviously terrible and, and Andy Farrell's copping a lot of flack but I think the coaching team underneath the head coach like him or whatever you want to call it they do what he tells them he, he should say this is the game plan I want you have to yeah. coach them to implement that and I don't I don't get the impression I'm not in the camp obviously but I don't get the impression that there's been a situation where they've gone I know what you're doing Stuart I know what you're trying to achieve because Ford was his number one from last November, which I think we all agreed with. Ford, I think, is is, is the kind of player he's on. Yeah. And then he obviously and, and I think that this thing about this this level of panic with the Wales game selection, with bringing well, Farrell back in, just suggests to me a fundamental kind of lack of confidence in his own decision making ability. Really. Absolutely. It, it was the it was it's the sort of rugby equivalent of going to a curry house and ordering steak and chips in it. It's sort of like. <laughs> what's wrong with that? No, yeah. <laughs> but, doing, but, but doing that when you've been going there for months and you've had the madras every time and it's bloody lovely, and then just one time you just look at the menu and go, oh, actually, fuck, yeah, I'm going to have this chip. <laughs> and that's what he did. He'd had, he played Ford constantly. Ford has been excellent. He had his issues, particularly with goal kicking, but. He was, you know, a, a reliable and and exciting choice for England, and England looked much better with him. And then it got to the Wales game, and you could just see he sort of, you know, as soon as I saw that team selection, I was well up for it. Like <laughs> I was really worried about that game until I saw the team selection instantly, and you could tell, like, from all of my sort of mm. Welsh friends, you saw that team and you went, they don't fancy this. You think you don't want to He's out Warren Ball, Warren Ball, do you? Well, exactly. No, it's it, you might as well try and go around him. You know, <laughs> Warren Ball is not a complicated concept, and, and a, it just requires. It's a per- as, Eng- as England proved, you just need like nippy lads to go around the outside. Yeah, because and... he'd done that before, hadn't he? But it's yeah. it's, it's a perfect example, really, that game. Or, or well, sorry, the, the the for me, the contrast between Gatland and Lancaster is a perfect contrast for me. Whatever you think of Gatland. You do know what he's doing. Yeah. It's very clear on what he's trying to achieve with that Absolutely. team. You know, nobody can. You might, you might say, I don't agree with it, Warren, but he'll go, yeah. Well, I don't give a fuck. You know, because this is how I play. And you go, Fair enough. Exactly. And, that, and I've got this coaching team in, and I've got Edwards to do the defence, and this is how we play. Lancaster, I just, you know, none of us are any the wiser, really. Well, that was the thing. It felt like, and I think that's perhaps why why some of the coaches have got flack, and have, you know, there's been all these rumours about who's actually in charge of everything going around, and I don't know how much truth there is in any of it, but because he created this sort of weird, like, communal environment where it seemed like everybody's opinion was valid as far as the coaching team goes, like, it creates a sort of 
it probably creates a mixed message because you've got Farrell telling you one thing, you've got Lancaster telling you another thing, you've got Cat telling you another thing, and because you haven't got somebody on the top who has the experience, confidence, and the the blind arrogance, let's not be beat around yeah. the bush, hmm? like to say no, this is my way, and we do it my way, and if you don't like it, you can fuck off. They keep, and, keep talking about what a, what a decent guy he is, and I'm sure he is, and I'm sure he did great he, work in the academy. The trouble is, most the, most people who are successful are arseholes, aren't they? Exactly. Maybe we just need it's an like, arsehole to come in. Like Warren Give Gatlin. James Haskell the job. <laughs> Steady. I mean, <laughs> it's not just that's the thing is you can't just be an arsehole. You've got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Although his, his England career might might beg otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's just Gatland is a proper dickhead. Let's not, you know, when he sort of goes out in the press and tosses out his silly little hand grenades. You know, he just enjoys being a bit of a prick. Yes, and. And that's why he likes Mike Phillips so much because they are they are kindred spirits in that regard in that they both are massive wind-up merchants that yeah. enjoy being dickheads. But but he he backs that up by being a very good coach who knows what he wants and he knows how to get results. And and Lancaster just never had the authority to do that. Whether it's because he was sort of appointed by Andrew and Richie and this sort of whole thing. What? Why is why has Rob Andrew been totally fucking invisible for the last couple of weeks? By the way, I was looking at this today, right? Rob Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to just change tack. No, no, no. It's a good point. It's a good point. Rob Andrew has been in. He was a director of Elite Rugby from 2006. Because he's the one who That's sacked. Because he's the one who sacked um, Brian Ashton. Yeah. You know, he's the one who said off and then appointed his and appointed Jono. We all know how that went. But anyway, the the. the He's been, he was director of rugby, and he seems. And to be fair, he seems to have done a decent job with the whole premiership uh, contract thing on one level. So that's yeah. fair enough. But he's been in charge of elite rugby, and then his his job's changed now. He's ahead of professional rugby now, which is. But it seems to be the same job to me. And yeah, since two thousand six, we haven't produced a, a seven, we no. haven't produced a twelve, and we haven't produced and we and we've produced an absolute omni shambles of a national team for a very very long time. And nobody at any point turns to him and says, what have you done or what have you not done? Or more like, what are you planning to do? Yeah, and I think I don't even think that it's the fact that England haven't produced those players. It's as they have, and they've been consistently ignored. You know, there have been sevens that have come through who who look, you know, they might not quite have been international calibre, but, but there are sevens playing in the Prem. You know, uh, Kvesic for... But Gloucester always looks looks quite tidy. I don't know if he's test standard. He looks, he looks, he looks all right. I think I think the issue is is I, I think England really missed a trip when Tom Reese got injured. I think he was looking like he yeah. could have been. I think he's still only twenty nine now, isn't he? And, and that was no. that was a shame. But um, the the thing that the other thing about Lancaster, he didn't sit down three or four years ago and go, "You have to have a seven. No, you can't win international I'm, games without this type of player." You know, even two of them, as, as that's that's worth. I, I think, I think the problem with with a lot of his thinking and a lot of his his like overall philosophy and ultimately the thing that did for him was that he got he had a lot of success early. You know, he mm. he he beat the All Blacks. Let's not forget that. And yeah, you know, and and it's almost like that. That result, was that was Brad Barrett's one good game, by the way. Well, exactly, and I think that 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 game kind of 
because his whole mantra for you know the whole of his his time in the the England team was like you know we're going to emulate the All Blacks you know they're the standard and we're gonna we're gonna try to be like them and I think when they beat the All Blacks in in 2012 was it like that game it was basically like a crystallized moment in his brain where it was like we have to get back to that mm. like if yeah. we can like somehow we need to do that every and so that's why he kept picking Brad Barrett that's why he let Rob Shaw carry on when the, he, he really old, wasn't the old, the, old the old Blacks phoned that performance in and that, that's not revisionism oh, they phoned it and they were knackered they, they phoned it yeah they, they look they look terrible I, I was I was sat in the Millennium Stadium watching Wales lose yet again to Australia in the last minute and it's like Christmas yeah it's a tradition in Wales it's like it's like Christmas it. and fighting in Cardiff on a Saturday night yeah, exactly. It, it comes around every year. But I was sat in the Millennium Stadium in complete silence, having watched Kirtley Beale score an 81st minute winning try and literally didn't say anything for 15 minutes as I sat there. And then my mate looked at his phone and went, England would beat the fucking All Blacks and, <laughs> and, and had a terrible night. Um, how, many coach, how, many, how, many, how many pieces of furniture got broken that night, Josh? Well, it was a good job that we were in the Millennium Stadium and the, the chairs are very reinforced. But at that point, we were all just too sad. So we just went and got very drunk and tried to forget about it. But we, we thought that that was like, oh, shit, that's the moment where they, they kick on. This is... And I think oh, because has, of has that... Has history taught you nothing, Josh? Well, exactly. We never have a moment when we kick on. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, the thing that baffles me about England waiting this long to get a new coach in is the, like... England could win the Six Nations this year, and I'm not being sort of hmm. jokey that. Like Wales are like two injuries away from like asking me to knock 15 year old mud off my boots and get on because we've got nobody else Do left. Do you think that World Cup Island... performance showed that you had some depth though? It, it does. The worry's always but... been Wales have got no depth, and you lost like some quite key players and played really well. Yeah, but half the players that came in to replace those key players are now fucking injured. So I, I genuinely don't know who we're going to get you on. You can only go to about three levels of depth, can't you? It's like Inception. Everything starts to slow down at the third level. You know, you can't do it. No, we're talking about bloody calling up, you know, players who, who literally I didn't think would ever, ever get on the international scene. Are you talking about Warren Fury? Oh, don't even look. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, when you think of Ireland are psychologically shot now because they've yet again buggered it up at a World Cup when they had a really good chance and they've also lost the most influential leader that they've ever had hmm. like so they're going to be alright but I wouldn't back them to win it Italy are Italy France are right. an, yeah. an 18 vehicle clown car pile up and, and Scotland Scotland looked good Scotland could win the Six Nations if not for the fact that England always beat Scotland but if England are just not going to have a coach until, like, what, Christmas, depending on how bloody long it takes, then, you know, they've just pissed away a massive opportunity to, like, completely, like, wipe the slate clean. If they already had, like, Jake White or, or whoever it is they're going to get in in now, then, yeah. like, it could be so building let's, bridges. Let's talk about who's going to replace um, Lancaster. God, do we have... It's depressing, yeah, but, isn't it? But, I mean... The, the thing is, I think, as an England fan, right, it's the biggest job in arguably, the biggest job, yeah. one of the biggest jobs in rugby union, okay? But what's happened over the past 10 years with all these fucking reviews and Rob Andrew and the way everything just generally gets handled and the fact that, and just the RFU generally, 
we're stuck in this kind of catch-22 strange situation really where the only people who would have the minerals to do it because they've got the minerals to do it they've got too much sense to want it exactly like england should be like they've got more players more money more coaches facilities everything than anyone else and like a well arguably a well coached well picked england at aib we don't make technology for you to bank we make it for you to live so you can apply and get a loan through your aib app or online all from the comfort of home banking to fit the way you live aib we back doing Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only, subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Team will be pretty much everybody else on the planet most of the time when oh, they're be welcome. There, yeah, they'd be top yeah. three consistently, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, but but the good news for everybody else is that the Death Star hasn't been fully operational for the past thirteen years, <laughs> and 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 so. You know, Wales and Ireland have been making hay, and I, I mean, that's not to do down our achievements in that time at all. But like, Ireland and Wales have only allowed, been allowed to win Grand Slams and and become good because England have been so shit. Because when England, if England got their act together, that's why everybody in Wales is sad to see Stuart Lancaster go. Not just because he's a nice man, because he definitely is. He seems a, a thoroughly decent bloke. But like. Hmm. Every time you like change coaches and tear it all up and start again, there's a chance that you're going to get it right, and that's terrifying for everybody else. Because when you do get out of your own way and actually finally make it all click, then there's not going to be much stopping you, as you proved in 2003. Well, and we're kind of all on borrowed time, waiting <laughs> to continue to, you know, the from a purely selfish point of view, the longer you carry this shit on, the better, because you know. We're a small nation, and we haven't got the depth and the money to compete with you, and neither of Ireland, and neither of Scotland, and you well, know. But um, yeah, look, no, looking at who replacing yeah. that, I mean, Gatlin's already come out today and said not interested. Well, I should hope not, to be honest. He's contracted till 2019, and and why would, like you say, why would why, he want to deal with this shambles? It's like he's basically God. In as far as the WIU is concerned, they will do yeah. anything for him. They will. Yeah give him as much money as they want they will completely you know change the structure of their domestic game and bring in well, we, central saw this, we saw this last week didn't we Wait, uh, can yeah. I have a new job please no you can't Toby fuck off back to the dragons and shut up yes exactly <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that was him that wasn't anybody else that was yeah, him exactly. that, it was went up to him and he said nah son back and, and he is he is complete and you think he wants to go and report to Ian Ritchie well no of course he doesn't and sit there while somebody reviews him can you imagine <laughs> Exactly. You can't live being reviewed by the four Ians. Oh, God, it's like I think there's a reason that that he is regarded as very abrasive, and and yeah, I don't. And I think, to be honest with you, I think it's the same with. I, I know Edwards's name is in the hmm. hat as well, but I think Edwards is far, far too abrasive 
for, to be picked by the RFU because you think about it like this is a man that used his post-match press conference after that Wales win against Ireland in the Six Nations to complain that he didn't have a new contract yet <laughs> and like yeah. it might have been fair enough because I think he deserves one personally but like he's got form for mouthing off and for yeah. being quite an independent and same abrasive the same with Checker yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, same, you know, England, the RFU, the RFU have it, have enough money to do, you know, they are, they've got enough money to be officially above the law. You know, they can do anything. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the money's not yeah. an issue, but why would Checker, who's a multimillionaire anyway, so doesn't yeah. need this work, he just does this as a hobby, like we're doing this now. He, he does international coaching, like we have a chat on, you know, on, on a podcast. You know, he's real, you know, he's a millionaire, but he's, so he doesn't need it. He obviously just went into the to the ARU and said, "I want Gitto back. I want Mitchell back. Yeah. It's happening." And they went, "All right, Mike," and off he went. Yeah. You know, why would you give that up to come to the RFU, like you say, to go to Ian Ritchie with your cap in hand, saying, "Right, can we do it? We'll have to have a word with Rob Andrews, see if it fits the professional structure contract, and we'd have to we'd have to right. negotiate with twenty seven thousand different people to try and make that work." Won't happen, will it? No, and I mean. If England, and I'm sure England are indeed buying out people's contracts game, and and even though he sort of said this morning that like he's he's settled in in South Africa, that's that's kind of the Eddie Jones problem as well. It's like Eddie Jones is would be a good coach for England. I think he'd be excellent. Mm. What he did with Japan was incredible, mm. but like he he has got into fights and public disagreements pretty much everywhere he's been. And the RFU just don't like. That's why Lancaster was so perfect for them, because he said all the right things in all the right way. He never yeah. ruffled anyone's feathered. He was a very nice, very principled, even keeled he, man. He even went by mutual consent. Exactly. Beautiful music not, playing. They walked out together and said, "This is the best thing for it. It's not you. It's me. It's the best thing for right. everybody. It's nobody's fault. Like, we just don't get on like anymore." Buy my own noose. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, and and so. All like you say, all the play, the people that they want who could actually turn England around are too strong personality-wise to deal with it. Anyway, like, you know, but anyway, you know, let's look at what they're after. International yeah. experience available. Yeah. Not cost too much money. Philippe Santander written all over it, hasn't he? <laughs> it's got to be. I said on Twitter, Eddie O'Sullivan is available. <laughs> it's Let's... the Philip Santander and Mark Lever on Dream Team, Dream Team for me. Oh God, can, you can you imagine the team that they'd select? It would we put just... them in a room together and say, "Pick a squad of twenty-three lads." Can you imagine? <laughs> there would be chicken entrails and some sort of bone. A Ouija thing. board. Yeah. <laughs> and it would just, yeah, it would be a team of of eleven props and three scrum halves. Well, speaking of scrum halves, they're talking about Nick Mallet, aren't they? I mean, they, do people I... need reminding what Nick Mallet did. Well, I you can't know? see I mean, that. I, I don't fancy Chris Robshaw playing scrum half. Do you? Well, exactly. It's like I think I, I honestly think. Well, you that, might like it because you know Chris Robson's got half come come to Cardiff fixture. It'd be great. Yeah, that was hilarious. I mean, that was really hilarious. But like, I think his his time with Italy is probably like I think the current regime are reaping a lot of the work that the good work that he did. However, come on, man, he's yeah. not. It, it, you just look at him and you just think, nah, mate, your face don't fit. And... Jake White's the overwhelming Bucky's favourite. Absolutely he overwhelming. Is because he's, he's sat in France. You know, he, has he likes a... big jobs. But he has started wearing weird, trendy glasses that make him look like a concentration camp surgeon since he moved to Montpellier. 
And I, I mean, I don't know. You can't the, the trust RF... that, can you? You can't trust. I that. don't know the RF suits personally, but I, I think they're going to be naturally suspicious of fashionable eyewear. They might like, have a review they're... of it. They got the review well, of the that, eyewear before get, it. Comes. They'll get him some nice, sensible, you know, square, square frame spectacles and everything. But it's well, pretty. The way the RFU media machine works, they'll just Photoshop new ones on him whenever he appears <laughs> in, in, in the thing well, anyway, exactly. and just with but, a Canterbury badge. But his his CV is is pretty unimpeachable, really. I mean, he's been a bit. He's been a weird journeyman since he left the box, which I can't really understand because he's clearly a very good coach. And like I think he could a have kind gone of stench about that 2007 World Cup that they managed to yeah. win because everyone else was shit. Yeah, and and there were sort of all sort of political things going on behind the scenes. And I mean, that I 2007 think, World Cup, England got to the final. Yeah, I mean, do you remember was... that England team? It was... I remember watching England South Africa the first time when they got absolutely <laughs> and just Andy thinking... Farrell's last game. Yeah, he was indeed. meant to kick penalties that game, and they never got one. <laughs> <laughs> we never got one. He was down to get. Oh, how will he go on kicking penalties in rugby union? We never got one. <laughs> That's I, how bad that game was. Yeah. I remember watching that in a pub in Aberdeer on a Friday night or whenever it was, and just everyone was having a lovely time. It was fantastic. Such a terrible game, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I kind of feel like he'll do the job. And, and he's probably the best candidate that's actually going to say yes to them. I know everybody's banging on about Wayne Smith, but... He's not going to do it. He wants to be the next All Blacks coach. And he's a sensible man. He's exactly. a sensible, quiet man who likes things simple. Why yeah, the hell would he... he get involved in this psychotic hornet's nest? Literally, He's literally taking time off to go and see the world next year. <laughs> Yeah, that, <laughs> literally. Even, yeah, not even a euphemism. That's what he's doing. No, literally doing it. He's that's how chilled the man is, and he wants to come back. Steve Hansen's going to knock it on the head in 2017, proudly displaying the head of Gatland or Schmidt or whoever the Lions send down to try and beat the All Blacks and gets dicked. Yeah. And then, and you know, he'll be six. Like I think he'd be 60 by then because he's in his late 50s now. So he's he's only really got one more shot to have the big because he was mentioned. When Henry took over, he was mentioned when Hansen took over that he might be in the frame, and he's only got one shot left to, for the big job that every New Zealander wants. Hmm. And unlike the All Blacks, with Hansen, they've showed that they believe in continuity and, and, you know, the next man up taking the job on and taking the team on. And if he goes to England, all of a sudden he puts himself into an even... Hmm. race with Gatland and Schmidt and, and various others but with the added handicap of him having to fucking yeah. the trouble is as well is it clown car farce Smith's got, Smith's got a, re- a reputation as well even though he is quite a quiet man of being painfully honest so they won't like yeah. that oh god they won't like they... that so that's not good to anybody is it they, they want nicely diplomatic political these like considered words couched in all sorts of bollocks is yes. what they want and yeah, they ain't going to get it from someone like him. And culture. Yeah, it's going to be Jake. Yeah, I think that they they missed a trick in... I mean, I understand why they want to go for a, a big name, but, you know, give give Mander a chance. Give give Rob Baxter a chance. You know, that he can't I do wouldn't it. be surprised if you get a situation. I think it's going to be Jake White. I think they're going to appoint some one of the people you've just said out of that, Mander, Baxter, yeah. as a kind of... You know, and that actually does make some sense. I mean, Smith will, you know, Smith, uh, White will do a job, get some yeah. English coaches in underneath him. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously promote Rob Andrew 
because that's what you Obviously. need to do now after the World yeah. Cup, you know, to promote Rob Andrew. Let's, let's not he's always earned it, hasn't he? Yeah. He has earned it. Because he signed a contract in 2007 with some premiership clubs, he can do whatever he, do whatever he wants now, untouchable. Um, premiership clubs that still fucking hate the RFU, by the way. Well, that's a whole other discussion which we don't have time yeah, to go into, but, but yeah. Exactly, but yeah. But like, um, yeah, if he did that, like, and brought in, in Baxter or, or Malinder and... and Maybe bring in Sean Edwards to handle the defence, although I think if you bring Sean Edwards in, he's going to want to be the next guy, and I think that's... I think, I think for his career, he doesn't, he doesn't want another de- defence job, does he? I think he no. wants to go back to doing the big job. Yeah, and I think that's perhaps a little bit silly, because I think he's kind of... He did all right with Wasps, you know, but with... He's been a long time out of it, hasn't he, as well? Yeah, and like when he's gone and tried to do other things, like when he went to try and be at London Irish's defence coach part-time mm. basis that was terrible and Irish were awful I mean that was kind of <laughs> you can't polish a turd can you <laughs> but like and you know the fact that he was left out of the Lions tour and then when he was in charge him and McBride were in charge of the Wales tour to Japan they were awful yeah. and looked like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing to be honest Um, you know it, it's yeah I think he's he needs to learn that perhaps his best job is the job he's got now or equivalent because I just don't think he's he's got the temperament for the main guy I think he's great I love Sean Edwards I like his frankness his honesty yeah. and fantastic defence coach but yeah yeah. so there you go so I, I think it's going to be Jay White yeah many I ways, agree you know, he's, he's not going to do a bad job is he so that, that that's fine no um, he will write the ship he will probably pick sensible players who play in their correct positions and wow. don't try to do anything stupid and that's kind of all that England can ask for right now after this like Fair yeah enough. yeah so there you go Lancaster's gone talk through some of that um, you alright do you need a break or anything uh, I'm good mate whatever right, carry on too much longer now because we've done well, we've done about 45 minutes 50 minutes we? really Jesus Christ so once you get talking <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk about um so a feature we have, Josh, on the, on the, on this is and this you know fledgling blog that we've got, <laughs> blog not blog the blogs we're going to 2007, but the pod fledgling pod that we've got. I've got a feature called the Loop, which I'm trying to do on a weekly basis, which is a a rug uh, a track that's associated with rugby. Uh, do you like early 90s grunge rock? I've got a certain affinity for it, certainly. Yeah. Well, this week with all the departures and everything, I'm going to go for some early 90s grunge rock. Also, I'm of a certain age. Yeah, I'm of a certain age, uh, and and I did love these when I was a bit younger. This is to celebrate them all pissing off and so on and so forth. This is Pearl Jam with a track from their second album, which is uh, Versus was what the album was called, but this is a track called Go.
How was that, Josh? Take you back? I, I've got a lot of time for Pearl Jam. You know, I, I, I'm a big... I wouldn't say I'm a big early 90s grunge fan, but I, I am also of the age where, like, it has a lot of depressingly good meat. <laughs> right then, so let's talk about... Um, let's go back to Wales. Let's go back to Wales. Let's talk about Scarlet. Well, I, watched, I watched Scarlet's versus Leinster last week. Did you see that game? Yeah, I did indeed. I They were robbed. I, I, I'm, I'm an, and I'm an Ospreys fan, so I can't stand Scarlet's, but... I, the refereeing in that game was utterly dreadful and I thought the fact that they complained to the WIU and the rest panel was kind of fair enough to be honest leaving aside that I think yes. looking at the Scarlets I can't talk about refs and TMOs and the like anymore no, it's just too depressing be... but um, yeah. they look really good didn't they Scarlets they, they, they are really, very really good like Pivak has done a really good job there like he had a bit of a rocky start but it's like him, he, I, I believe he was one of the ones Atland kind of mentioned to the, in the same way with the Blues and Hammett, and obviously that didn't work out. But like, yeah, he's clearly a very sharp cookie, and mm. like the fact that they're talk, you know, there was talk that Japan were sniffing around him to replace yeah. Joan, all that sort of stuff. I think is is fair enough. Like they they are very good this year. They've John got Davis very... is, John Davis is going back there next year. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very good news. I mean, and if North goes back, well, I mean that. But imagine that bat, if North went back. You're looking at a bat line of Gar well, Davis, Patchell, DTH Van der Merwe, Scott Williams, yeah. John Davis, George North, yeah. Liam Williams. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing because there's talk, and I don't know how hideously speculative this is, but there's talk that they're trying to get a hold of Halfpenny as well. Because obviously, if Halfpenny comes back mm. on dual contract, he will be able to basically say where he wants to go. Yeah, I want a gold pig. I want well, to exactly. play at Scarlet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan Lydia's already done it. You know, <laughs> the Dragons are like, yeah, we'd love to have Dan Lydia back, and Dan Lydia went, yeah, <laughs> like, quite yeah. occasionally win a game. I mean, that's not panning out this year for him. I mean, I mean but yeah, yeah. And, and so if they, I mean. It creates. I'm glad that John Davis is coming back. It's a little bit sad though because it's yet another example of a Welsh player who's sort of gone to France and trying to crack it, and he hasn't really panned out. He was good for Claremont, but like, I just I I don't think he ever really showed his best there. He never looked like he's really settled or he'd nailed down his place. So he's not been yeah, fit got... for a while, though, was he? I don't. No, and he be... had a lot of niggly injuries, and I think he was away. I think being away on international duty seems to compromise players a lot more in France than it does everywhere else because you go away because they've got such depth of squads over there you go away for a couple of weeks playing the Six Nations yeah There's come some back world... and find you brushing yeah. up yeah well exactly and some world class player has been sitting in your shirt for the last month and a half and has been doing a bloody good job of it and yeah, I think he found that adjustment hard and it's good the only issue with the Scarlets though is that like obviously the Wales 12 will be Jamie Roberts until basically his legs fall off I think um, if Gatland has his way so he kind of wants both John straight Davis straight running and... and no passing forever Rah. all we ever we want to break the chain line and nothing nothing else matters but that means that Gatland probably wants John Davis and Scott Williams both to play 13 because mm. They both offer very different things, but they, they the difference is neither of them is... And if they're both at the Scarlets now, one of them is going to have to play 12. And hey, it's probably going to be Williams. We've seen the way forward. They should play six for the club and centre for the national yeah. team. 
That sounds like a fantastic that's idea. A, that's a blueprint um, for the future. For, for anybody. They, I don't know why they haven't thought about it, to be honest. I mean, it's, yeah. But yeah like, so I think Wales yeah. are looking, you know, it's looking quite good for Scotland, which is nice because they were always such a huge team. I mean, I know you won't like this as an Ospreys fan, but they were such a huge team, a huge, you know, a really big presence in them. And they've gone through a pretty shit time, haven't they, really? So I'm, I'm glad they've been bad for a couple of years. And, and it does feel like the pendulum has kind of swung because the Ospreys are obviously the best team in Wales and have been for the last 10 years, basically. That's because you've got but, 75 players on your books. It's about 70% of the the Welsh playing population. Well, exactly. And 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 there was obviously the Glatkes here and all that thing. But like <laughs> now it does feel like the pendulum has swung back the other way because the players that are coming through at the Ospreys, they're decent, but they're not as good as the players that were coming through 10 years ago. There's no, you know, Alwyn Joneses or Shane Williamses or, you know, these kind of really, really good players, right? And... Hmm. and Scarlets have, have brought through Liam, they've brought through Scotty, John Davis, James Davis, Samson Lee. I mean, yes. Jake Ball. Samson yes. Lee. God bless his ginger face. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've brought through all of these very young players, Gareth Davis as well. I mean, yeah. they've, they've, they've been building this for a while, and this season it really feels like it's come together for you them. Look at Cardiff and I think they... Interesting, you look at Cardiff. Oh, shambles. Today. But this new coach has got yeah. his name now. The new coach has come in and basically gone, why have we got 60 players, 25 yeah, of which and I, are no good and are playing for someone else? Well, exactly. And I, I am totally, like, I like Danny Wilson a lot. I think he's a very good coach. And I think he's a large part of the reason why the Scarlets forwards, because the Scarlets always produced great backs, but mm. their forwards were dog shit. And when he was coaching the Scarlets forwards, all of a sudden the Scarlets started developing good props which was previously unheard of. And I think he'll do a good job at the Blues, but his decision to to basically look at this sort of faintly ridiculous situation that all the regions do, by the way, of having... You know, the Osprey squad is 50 players and the Blues squad is about the same size, but, you know, 20 or so of them never play for the Ospreys. Who they play for... Them? Who pays them all? The Ospreys pay for them. Like they are Basically, there are players that have made like one or two appearances for the Ospreys or the Blues or whoever. And they're off playing like, for Neath or whatever then, but they're being paid. Yeah, they're off playing for Bridgend every week. And then there's an off chance that maybe they'll get a run out in the LV Cup or something. Hmm. But they're still contracted to the Ospreys. And there's like the the thing today, the, the Cardiff thing saying they're not going to pay for Ponty and Cardiff RFC's players anymore. They were paying half a million quids worth of wages every season for players who didn't ever play for them. And that's just, like, when you think that the Welsh, like, their self-enforced salary cap is four and a half million, a fifth of their budget is basically being used to fucking hmm. pay for Dicomedis and, and players like that to, to play for Ponty every week. And then you've got the flip side of it. You know, I'm, I, I've not been a big fan of the way that people have conducted themselves over the last couple of years with yeah. them basically sort of shouting from the rooftops every time they won something as if that was justification for them having being... a region yeah exactly because I, I you know before I was an Ospreys fan I was a Neath fan hmm. and I remember when there was sort of a five or six year period where Neath won absolutely everything in the Welsh Premiership and they were saying oh we want to go it alone we want to go and play in the Challenge Cup blah, 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 blah. and you know they're probably going to get relegated from the Premiership this season because they've been terrible for years hmm. because they they did a similar thing and yeah. alienated the Ospreys and all of a sudden none of their players 
could play for them anymore. And so it's just yeah yeah so scott yeah you got, i think you could have gone on that for a while there josh I, it's fair I enough you know very long time <laughs> but yeah it's silly and and the scarlets have done a very good job of, of bringing through young players well they beat they northampton i think on saturday i think they give them a game um like i think that they i think they lack quality up front especially samson lee's not even in the squad no, he's injured again isn't he He's not injured. They oh, said no, his, in case his, he gets injured. I think they said That's his condition. That. That's they basically implied that he wasn't in nowhere near fit enough to play rugby, and and was in nowhere near good enough condition to play rugby. And that was probably the case for the whole World Cup, I, as I, he showed. I wouldn't be surprised if an outer competition drugs test happened quite quickly, because <laughs> when they start using language like that, it just makes me think. If I was a, a doping guy and the size of Samson Lee, and I'm not saying he does. But if I was a doping guy, like, I'd immediately, I'd immediately go, "All oh, right, okay." You don't fancy playing because he might, he's not quite right. Okay, I think I'll go knock on his door, and like we'll have a piss in a cup at half six in the morning. I think. Well, that's the thing. It's like the way that he came back. I mean, he obviously wasn't right at the. And I, you know, I'm, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I just think that he was clearly still not fit at the World Cup, and he's basically trying to play test rugby when he was probably weeks away from being properly fit and playing in a World Cup has just bollocksed him basically and his fitness is shot and his conditioning is shot and, and his his Achilles or his ankle that he buggered up is probably a mess and he probably needs a couple of weeks of sitting down and, and being physioed and all that shit in order to actually make him be able to be a rugby player again and, and if so that does explain why the Welsh scrum was quite so dog shit at the World Cup as well well, but yeah, I, I think I think the Scarlets could potentially. I mean, because Northampton have been a little bit hot and cold so far this season, yeah. you know. They, I still think Northampton and, are going to win, but it's just good to see yeah. the Scarlets do a little bit better. I, so, I quite, so moving I forward, quite, but yeah, we'll leave that there. Moving, yeah. <laughs> moving it on, we got um. Let's do this. How the hell did he get a cap? This is where Josh, as you may have heard, we celebrate the people who should not have got caps. In our, in our opinion, we've had. A Eula of England. In fact, I think I threw that entire oh. England back. The 2009 England back line in its entirety oh. got thrown in last week. That was a glorious time. <laughs> it was a beautiful time. Beautiful glorious time. time to watch it from uh, afar and laugh. Anyway, um, yes. Oh, and, and then but, we looked at, I looked at, uh, I looked at the Matthew Leveramon last year, last week. Oh. The one who, the Eula Leveramon brother wasn't selected and Mark just did it obviously because <laughs> he had to. Uh, so uh. this year they're going to go over to Wales, I think. We've already yes. mentioned Warren Fury earlier. Okay. Yes, like I, I kind of feel a little bit ba- like basically Warren Fury should not have won. There, there was a a point between two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine where he was somehow regarded as the fourth best Welsh scrum half available to to Warren Gatland. You know, this isn't Gareth Jenkins. To be fair, the fifth one was a corgi. Well, exactly. It might have been like. It's nothing per- like he was very missing when he burst onto the scene at Wasps, and he had horrible luck with injuries there. And and in many ways, for him to even get back playing was an achievement. But like, it, he, uh, yes, he only made it onto the field because Phillips and Peel both got injured because Gareth Blood Cooper was starting for Wales against South Africa. Jesus, Christ. what a pace, Gareth Cooper. Not much else, but no, not. A- <laughs> but like the thing that knocks me about it, and I, I don't begrudge him his caps at all, but. It was just shameless and blatant, like Wasp's old boys' nepotism. It was like, 
Oh, we need a scrum off. Can we go? Oh, you remember Warren Fury? Oh, yeah, he could yeah, have been so good. He, he's a good nomination. Is he still at Newcastle? He is still at Newcastle, and he's had shitty luck at injuries. And and but that doesn't mean that you toss someone a few caps because you feel sorry for him. Like I know I don't want to be harsh, but like Reese Webb was playing for the Ospreys at that point. Tavis Noyle was breaking into the scene. Hell, Richie mm. Reese was playing for Cardiff. Mm. God, remember Richie Reese? Yeah, he played in the draw against Fiji, didn't he? Did indeed. Uh, but I'm not talking about that now. No, I like, no. I like, I, for, I can't believe he got a cap. I like Will James. <laughs> the Jenkins era is always, you know, a deep the mind. Mighty mind. man mountain that is Will James. God. Was it basically because he played in the Premiership? Is that I, it? I, don't, I don't really understand. Like, it speaks volumes that, like, after the World Cup, because he got, like, what was it, one cap against Japan, which is realistically the only sort of game you should trust like Will James fair enough honest pro solid good servant for Gloucester and he was but about 28 wasn't he when he was selected not, I mean it speaks volumes that like when Gatland took over a couple of months later A he was never heard from again and B bloody the ancient Daniel Jones was considered a more suitable candidate for the city well, exa- well exactly so there you have it then how the hell did he go cap this week? We've got Warren Fury, Daniel Jones, and Will James. A Welsh trifecta of awfulness going into the much-vaunted Hall of Fame. I think that's probably it for us for this week. Thank you very much to Josh Gardner for joining us. Lovely chat. Thank you very much to Sam Burgess for going away. Or not, depending on your views. Thank you very much to Stuart Lancaster. We have got to thank him, really. Welsh, as Josh said, Welsh people have definitely got to thank him. We'll be back again next week. Big European weekend come up, coming up. I hope you all enjoy it. It's already been a bit of it played. I've got this up a little bit later than I thought it. Thought I wanted to. Thanks very much for joining us. The five of you out there who downloaded it. it might be six this week because Josh, I'm sure Josh will download it and listen to himself. You can find us at bloodandmud.com or just at bloodandmud on Twitter or facebook.com slash bloodandmud. This podcast can be found on soundcloud it can be found on itunes you can subscribe you can download you can do all things to make your life a whole lot more wonderful than it is or you can just completely ignore us i prefer you didn't do that but there you go thanks very much see you soon
At AIB, we don't make technology for you to bank. We make it for you to live. Just watch. So you can apply and get a loan through your AIB app or online. All from the comfort of home. Banking to fit the way you live. AIB, we back doing. Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only, subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network.